This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. For soldiers, getting a good night's sleep is crucial. Fatigue can impact decision-making and sometimes lead to disaster. So the Army's trying something new, strategic napping. Yep, you heard that right. It's part of a holistic approach to health in the military. In just a bit, we'll hear from a sleep expert on whether strategic napping might work beyond the ranks of the armed forces. But first, Dave Phillips covers veterans and the military for the New York Times. He says the Army's embrace of napping marks a culture shift. So they just released a new field manual on physical fitness. And their old manual had been very much type, sort of the stuff you might expect from the Army, like how to do a long ruck march or how to do pull-ups and sit-ups. And this one's totally different. It really looks at like holistic wellness and fitness. And for the first time ever, they recognize the value of napping. So when I wrote that story, I heard from all sorts of soldiers who laughed and said, you know, we, we've been strategically napping for <laughs> right, generations, right. but this is the first time that it's on the books. And I think that's really an important change, both for the Army and, and maybe for all of us. Yeah. And that's because, you know, for a long time, they saw sleep as a sign of sort of indulgence and laziness. And the culture was very much a macho culture of, like, you can fight through it. You don't need it if you do your week. But increasingly, you know, you have a generation now of both leaders and soldiers who have been repeatedly deployed and and oftentimes just worked crazy, crazy hours. And they've realized that it's not sustainable, that not only, you know, is it unpleasant to be constantly sleep deprived, but it can be really dangerous because your ability to make sound decisions kind of falls apart. And Mm -hmm. In a tactical situation, that can really cost lives. Yeah. Is the Army ahead or behind this? As you hear from soldiers, they're laughing about it. They've been napping for years. Is this like they're catching up to the fact that soldiers need to nap and we're going we're gonna to put some language in the, uh, in the guide? Or is this a culture shift where they're saying, listen, napping is important to us? I think it's a big culture shift because, you know, in the past, you think about like the old Beetle Bailey comics. Like Beetle Bailey's always getting yelled at for napping. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's seen as like a, a weakness in the soldier. And, you know, in the last 20 years, the number of soldiers who got hooked on like hypersized energy drinks because they're trying to move through this is is pretty severe. And so I think the army realized, hey, we can make life better and make our operations better by saying this is something that's okay to do, but do it right. Is this going to be a kind of thing where uh, the army will say it's mandatory that this strategic napping is mandatory? <laughs> you got to go down and you got to do this. If you don't, you got to give me 20 push-ups, that kind of thing. <laughs> You know what? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I also don't think that anyone's going to be complaining. I mean, remember, like soldiers don't get paid overtime, so they work a lot more than uh, I think most of the rest of us. And if they're told to take a nap, that, that would probably be OK. From the soldiers you talked to, the active soldiers, how is this approach being received? How's the, the new approach from the Army being received? 
I, I think it's sort of a, a wait and see. You know, what's in the manual is not always what happens on paper, and it depends on the, the individual commanders. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that's useful to the soldier, too, as an individual. You know, how do you get the best sleep? How do you prepare for sleep? How do you make sure that the sleep that you get is high quality? So they talk about things like staying away from screens, you know, in the hour or so before you go to bed or really limiting caffeine late in the day. Things like that that are going to keep you from getting to sleep or once you do are going to cut down the quality. Dave Phillips is with us. He's a reporter with The New York Times. We're talking about the Army's recent embrace of strategic napping. When we when we look at this and we think about the job performance of a soldier, it really is an important thing. We're kind of I'm joking about it and talking about napping. It's easy to joke about it, but for soldiers during missions, it's it's got real life and death situations, sleep deprivation. Yeah, and even in a non-combat situation, there were a couple uh, incidents in the last couple years where the Navy, during like fairly standard non-combat operation of ships, crashed, uh, collided two destroyers with other ships, and, and sailors died. And one part of the, you know, sort of the many factors that went into that was that everyone was super sleep deprived. So I, I think they are taking it more and more seriously, and, and they'll probably see a lot of benefit from it. Are you going to see this from other branches of the military? Are they embracing sleep? It's already happened within the Navy. They started changing their sleep schedules to match circadian rhythms. In the past on ships, it was just a four hours on, four hours off type of shift, which you can imagine is pretty draining. The Marines will see. <laughs> they, they pride themselves on being old school and tougher than the Army, so maybe they're going to just use this as an opportunity to make fun of the soldiers. <laughs> Dave, but that's a big part of it. It's toughness. Taking naps has always been on the other side of toughness, and you kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier in this, this combo, but this, this idea that if you're sleeping, you're lazy, or if you're, if you're sleeping, you're not a, a Marine. How much are they going to have to get over that in the culture of the armed forces? I think it's going to take a while. You know, one thing, though, is that, like, is that the military works on rules and regulation. Once you put it in doctrine, you know, that is a step towards it being embraced. And I tell you, for the, the story that the Times published, we talked to a general who was in command of, of all NATO troops in Afghanistan, and he said that, like, he very specifically guarded his sleep. You know, there are all sorts of demands on him, but he made sure he got eight hours because, as he said, you know, war is a thinking man's sport. You know, if you are, are not rested, you just can't do it. And for someone in his position, that could cost lives. Yeah. New York Times reporter Dave Phillips, uh, we're talking about his uh, recent piece on strategic napping in the Army. Dave, thanks so much for joining us and, and telling us about this story. Yeah, happy to be on. Thanks. All right, let's turn now to Dr. Lisa Medallia. She's a behavioral sleep medicine specialist at the University of Chicago Medicine. She's here to tell us more about the importance of sleep. Uh, Dr. Medallia, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me back again. So your reaction to the Army's embrace of strategic napping? I'm actually really quite impressed by the, the value and the discipline they have with sleep and that they are seeing sleep as important enough to make this something that they have a requirement on, or at least they have parameters around. You know, sleep is just such an important component of our 24 you know hour day. And I'm seeing in the world just generally that there is more and more respect for sleep, um, more and more understanding on the importance of sleep. My hope is that sleep will kind of be the next thing on the Cheerios box along with exercise and diet. <laughs> there you go. Uh, in that conversation, a lot of it was, was the Army trying to catch up. 
it is a culture shift, but it's also as 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 soldiers reached out to Dave, they talked about they kind of laughed at the fact they've been they've been napping this way for years, and they right. just kind of worked around it. But you're right. I mean, the culture shift, the idea of of putting a capital S on sleeping, if you will, uh, that that's beyond just the army and the armed forces. That has to do with all of us in our daily lives. Right. Absolutely. It, it's a pleasure to see as somebody who's, you know, I've I've been studying sleep actually since I was in high school and just seeing kind of the turn even just in the last couple of decades, just how much things are shifting and how how much the world is starting to appreciate and respect sleep is is wonderful. And seeing kind of the military take on to that is, is lovely to see, actually. Right. All right. So how much sleep do our bodies need? I mean, it really depends. You know, in, in some of our recent research, there's been more of a shift to an understanding and acceptance that everyone needs a different amount of sleep. And so adults might need as little as six hours or as much as nine hours, but most tend to need seven to eight. Okay. And and how important is it, you know, from your experience as, as someone who works in behavioral sleep, of differentiating what is the norm and the guide from the medical community with the ideas that are that are thrown out in the uh, private sector. I mean, people going out to, with apps and other things to try and tap into, you know, take this 30-minute nap here, take this 45-minute nap here. How important is it for you to communicate to the people, to the American people, uh, how important sleep is when you have those things that are actually competing with you? Right, right. You know, I think it's a great point. Like I understand this recommendation and this, you know, prioritization around strategic naps. And I think the the acceptance and execution is, is going to be the challenge. Um, they have in the corporate world, for example, they've put up nap pods in some of the places like Google, and they'll have these little pods available for people to go ahead and take naps. I think it's wonderful to take those steps, but the execution and the competitors for naps are always the biggest challenge, right? So, so making sure that the public understands that people are talking about strategic napping and people are placing nap pods in facilities because it is important, because it is a value. And when a nap is taken in the right way, you know, if you're if you're taking a 20 to 30 minute nap at a time that's usually before 2 p.m., 2 p.m. is kind of ideal mm -hmm. um, and it's used in a way that makes sense um, and that's consistent with what the research shows is effective, that it can promote alertness, performance. Um, we know that when you're sleep deprived, there is a negative effect on cognitive function. So response time, um, processing speed are impacted. Concentration, executive function are impacted. The research does show that a nap taken effectively strategically, as they've been discussing, can actually help and support cognitive function in a way that um, optimizes daytime function and performance. Mm. Uh, this is something that's really discussed also a lot in uh, residency programs. So when I lecture to our ER residents, you know, it's something that we talk about a lot as well. They work these uh, shifts, they have shift work, you know, excessive daytime sleepiness and related impacts on performance is a huge concern in, in the hospital setting as well. So when there's when sleep deprivation is pervasive. So anytime you look at a population or a group where sleep deprivation is pervasive, then the idea, uh, the um, addition of strategic napping has to be something that is considered. Another really interesting idea is to use naps alongside caffeine. So caffeine is kind of another agent that's used when people are experiencing excessive daytime sleepiness related to sleep loss. I mean, of course, like as a behavioral sleep medicine specialist, my goal is get people more sleep, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to always start by saying that, you know, I want people to get more sleep. I want people to prioritize sleep. I want them to get the amount of sleep that's necessary for them to function at their best. 
However, I also recognize and see that that's not always accomplished. And then what? I, I still don't want to see accidents and fatal accidents at, at that. So, you know, I think that strategic napping is something that can be used in those scenarios where mm. despite their best efforts, people just aren't able to make time for sleep. And then we still don't want to lose lives because of it. Right. So how often we, should we be napping? If it's, if it's Lisa, she wants to nap every hour. Uh, every other hour. <laughs> so so how, how often should we be napping and for how long? So, you know, it really depends on the population. But, you know, when we are talking about, you know, shift workers, for example, who are sleep deprived, we do tend to encourage them to try to identify their peak points of sleepiness and, and plan a nap in, uh, prophylactically. So in, in advance, you know, trying to decide that making a decision to take a nap before that peak sleepiness point and potentially even take a caffeine pill or, you know, a dose of caffeine before that. So you wake up more refreshed. So maybe one a day, a 20, 30 minute nap. Um, You know, when our patients with narcolepsy, though, for example, we we will encourage them more like two naps a day. So it really kind of depends on the population. But I think for for even just a general sleep deprived group, taking one nap, but if needed a second is probably the most that we would see or recommend. Uh, We wouldn't really kind of go beyond that. And we really don't want to go beyond 30 minutes. All right. That's good to know. That's good to know because I feel like uh, whenever I go down for a nap, I'm like, it's got to be an hour. Otherwise, it's not worth it. So it's good to know that it's a half hour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to kind of run into some of the sluggishness that can come from going overboard with the nap. And you also don't want to run into an impact on your nighttime sleep. Dr. Lisa Medallia is with us. She's a behavioral sleep medicine specialist at the University of Chicago Medicine. She's got a new digital sleep uh, platform app called Dr. Lullaby. Dr. Medallia, always a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about strategic naps and how that can help us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. And that's today's Reset. For more conversations like this, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and you can also check out our complete archives at wbez.org reset. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Thank you.